there's a story of him going on a, a road trip with uh, Michael Jackson and I think Liz Taylor or something like that. You sure and that's not a joke. I, I, I they made a film out of it. Sounds uh, like it, doesn't it? It sounds like the beginning of a, a great joke. And a candlestick maker. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of History's Greatest Idiots. Uh, this is a podcast that will be hosted by myself and my co-host Derek, which will look back at the greatest mistakes in human history. And we're not mean—we're not trying to do this in a mean-spirited way. What we're actually trying to do is highlight the errors that people have made throughout human history, so that other people don't repeat them. And you know, we can have a little bit of a laugh along the way, but this is in no way mean-spirited. We hope that if these people are still alive, they can get their lives back on track. But it's important to note the mistakes that have been made throughout human history so that we don't repeat them. My name is Lev. I am a voiceover actor, a writer, a proofreader, uh, a podcaster now, and uh, a Twitch affiliate. Um, You can find pretty much all of my social media contacts on Instagram, Twitch, and Twitter at why all the anger and my co-host is derek would you like to introduce yourself derek why hello i don't have a problem talking about myself at all (laughs) (laughs) i am a former alternative radio personality punk band uh half asser and (laughs) uh burnout dad amateur writer oh wow (laughs) just kind of happy to be playing along here (laughs) <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you for coming along, and it's been a long process getting this podcast set up, and uh, I'm really interested to see what we've got for the first episode in terms of because uh, we don't know the person that the other that y- you know you don't know who I've researched for this episode. I don't know who you've researched, but what's going to happen is once we've told uh, each other about the person that we think is uh, one of history's greatest idiots, we will give them a score out of a hundred. And then we will form a sort of league table um, that will rank the greatest idiots from history in order so that people can reference them for their future enjoyment. Uh, But before we do that, I'd like to start uh, this week by looking back at um, idiot news from the week. So this week's been an interesting week, and obviously we're still in the middle of a pandemic and this the news still revolves almost entirely around that situation, but... There was one story that caught my eye this week, and um, I'm going to start it with three words, which will probably kind of immediately draw up some sort of image in your mind. Um, two Florida women. <laughs> Florida. Yeah, there we go. We, we're off to a good start. You know, the, it's usually Florida man. Right. Um, yeah, but this time it's two Florida women. So let me start, read this to you, and uh, feel free to chime in at any point. Two Florida women dressed up in disguise as pensioners tried to jump the queue for the coronavirus vaccine. The Hmm. women wore uh, wore bonnets, gloves and fake spectacles to gain admission to the vaccination centre in Orange County, Florida. The women were 34 and 44, but posed as 70 year olds. But Um, 70 year old cartoon ladies in bonnets. Yeah, like bonnets, gloves. I mean, it's it's like it's kind of the end of winter now, but it, it's still Florida, you know. It's I don't know. Oh, yeah. anyway. Amazingly, these disguises had actually worked before because the women presented valid CDC prevention, uh, yeah, prevention cards, meaning that they'd already received their first vaccinations, uh, presumably through the same method of deception that they were trying to use this time. So, um, 
it worked previously, and they were they were emboldened by the success to try it again. Um, That's always my guarantee. You gotta you gotta stop where you're ahead. (laughs) Yeah, you kind of like it's like gambling, isn't it? Like you've won a bit of money, just stop. You don't have to carry on going. Uh, I guarantee this isn't the first time someone's done this either. I guarantee there are other people out there that have been successful in disguising themselves as either the elderly or possibly lying about pre-existing medical conditions. But there's a twist to this story. So the police released body cam footage, which whenever I hear body cam footage these days, I always think, oh, God, do I really want to watch this? Because this is probably going to make me really angry. Um, In this instance, it didn't. The police body cam footage shows that they didn't actually put up uh, a lot of effort into their disguise. Uh, They're just... uh, Because this description... Um, of what they were wearing came from the medical authorities in Florida. But when you see the body cam footage, they're actually just wearing normal clothes. So just like a jacket. One of them had on a woolly hat, and that was like the limit of their disguise. And basically all they'd done is they'd lied about their age. So they said they were in their 70s when, you know, the police showed up. They actually gave them the driver's licenses, and it turned out they were 34 and 44. So somehow... Uh, this just going in and saying, yeah, I'm in my 60s, had worked in a previous vaccination centre. So either someone hadn't checked their ID or they were just like, well, maybe they've had a lot of surgery. Well, um, does that happen in Florida? I don't know. More in California, uh, I think. Yeah, it's, I guess like it's, it's insulting to ask a woman's age to a certain extent. So people weren't going to go, you know, oh, no, no, prove that you're, you know, over 65. They were just like, probably just like, wow, you look great for your age. Right. You know, well, and, so. and ladies generally don't lie forward; they'll lie backwards. Yes, yeah, I'm not forty. I'm thirty. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so this this kind of makes me think that the um, the Florida healthcare people who were kind of relaying the story to the major news outlets are just trying to cover their asses because there's no way like, when you see the body cam footage, there's no way anyone looks at these two women. Um, and thinks that they're 70-year-olds, except apparently the first place that they were vaccinated who immediately thought, oh, yeah, of course you're 70. Yeah, you've just had a lot of work done. So, yeah, well, a lot of people do retire to Florida. It's like... Uh, it's very true. Heaven's waiting room. Heaven's waiting room. Uh, and, yeah, what are the official state jokes in Florida? It's pensioners, catfish, and recounts, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. That just happens all the time there, That's doesn't it? to Georgia. <laughs> oh god that was oh that took forever that was ridiculous that thing's um, still a mess yeah yeah at least it's over now anyway um so um now we're on to our first ever um idiot candidate so uh derek if you wouldn't mind tell me the story the history and the back information that's not a word um about your idiot candidate this week well uh it is a man it is a king, and Ooh. I kind of, I kind of went um, mi- mysterious in my presentation researchness, and Ooh, uh, I like that. Uh, you know, it through throughout history, there's been a history. Well, well, geez, through throughout time, there's been a history of fat kings and queens. Sure, um, yeah, because the wealth allows for indulgence, and in this dude's case, his indulgence led to his death. And, and the ending of an age of liberty. Wow. Okay, I can't wait to hear this. So you would you'd want to be remembered for the the age of liberty or the great advances in civil rights that uh, happened for his people during his reign, or the extended period of peace and prosperity. 
or maybe even being part of the world's first legislation supporting the freedom of the press and freedom of information, but wow. that's not this dude's case. Okay. Um, on a Tuesday in February, the king sat down for a meal in preparation for Lent. And for anybody that doesn't know what Lent is, that's a Christian holiday where people abstain from certain kinds of foods and activities and stuff for 40 days and 40 nights for some reason I'm not 100% sure on. But no, I'm not either. Did you give anything up for Lent? Um, I this gave year? up Lent for Lent this year. Yeah, I gave up sacrifice. So we're in the same boat. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry, please carry on. Okay, now this dude might have invented Fat Tuesday because Oof. he really, really overdid it. He sat okay. down to a meal of lobster, caviar, nice. sauerkraut, boiled meats, mm -hmm. kippers, some turnips, and, uh, and then he washed it all down with champagne. Wow. He could have stopped there, but he decided he was going to have some semlar for dessert. Oh. Yeah, that's uh, for people that don't know what that is. It's a Swedish, like, cake with marzipan and whipped cream oh, and whatnot really heavy it's right disgusting yeah it's cloggy as hell yeah well he didn't just have those he had them served to him in a bowl of hot milk flavored with what? cinnamons and raisins and that's after the that big ass raisins. meal <laughs> oh my god have you ever do you remember have you ever seen the monty python sketch with um the guy who's literally ready to explode and the waiter just keeps coming up to him and going, oh, I miss you, would you like a, a wafer thin mint? Oh, I couldn't possibly tell him what that is. just a wafer thin mint. And Mr. C Mr. Creosote, that's it. And he, he eats the wafer thin mint and literally explodes. I'm getting images of that, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, that, well, and I, maybe that was based off of this guy because... It sounds like it. It was a, a while back in time, uh, mm. 1700s, I believe, but... Okay. Uh, Later that day, after taking in that meal and, and, and the snack afterwards, he died of digestive issues because <sighs> of uh, the insane, enormous meal that he ate. Like, no well, joke. Well, yeah. <laughs> and since it ended up killing him, uh, his son ascended to the Swedish throne, where he Oh, okay, Swedish king. Wow. Yeah. Right. He, he ended the Age of Liberty by creating a dictatorship. Oh. Uh, taken away the freedom of the press, and then for good measure, he started a war with Russia that they lost. So, oh, I think I know who you're talking about now. Yes. Yep. Okay. And, and he is uh, forever cemented in the memory of people as Adolf Frederick, the Swedish king that ate himself to death. <laughs> and I don't know if you oh, could be more God. of an idiot than eating yourself to death. I mean, people have, in a way... People throughout recent history have certainly eat them, eaten themselves into an early grave. You know, you can think of a few celebrities that you're like, if you'd maybe cut back a little bit, you'd probably still be with us. You know, well, maybe not. They'd have lived longer anyways. People like Orson Welles, who had a, a voracious appetite, and um, Marlon Brando. Oh, yeah. Just piled on the pounds. There's a story of him going on a, a road trip with uh, Michael Jackson and I think Liz Taylor or something like that. You sure and that's not a joke? I, I, I They made a <laughs> film out of it. It sounds like it, doesn't it? It sounds like the beginning <laughs> of a great joke. a baker and a candlestick maker. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they apparently made um, a film out of it with Joseph Fiennes as Michael Jackson, which is really weird. Um, but basically the reality of the story is that Jackson and Liz Taylor were, were very good friends, but they couldn't help but be distracted by the fact that Marlon Brando was just sitting in the back of this car 
eating burgers and farting the entire journey. Oh. So, can you and and Marlon Brando's farts? Like no. they've got to be epic. We're talking Andre the Giant level oh. farts at that point. That, that, I'm surprised that they didn't die right then and there. I know. It's like you wind down all the windows, but eventually there's going to be a vacuum created where the farts just sort of hold their ground, you know, no matter how much wind's going through the car. Yeah. Oh, God. So what was was the king's name again? Sorry. Adolf Frederick. Adolf Adolf Frederick. Okay, so he ate himself to death. And then his son um, went to war with Russia. Now, I think I've studied the history of that. Um, They did okay for a while, but you don't really win too many wars with Russia. No one does because of various factors like invading Russia is very you know, it's notoriously difficult and you're up against a country with a ridiculous population. Um, so they can affect it. And it's cold as hell pretty much all the time. But when people invade, because there's this story about, oh, Napoleon failed because he invaded Russia at the wrong time and Hitler failed because he invaded Russia in the winter. They actually didn't invade Russia in the winter. What they actually did was they invaded during the muddy season so it rained and rained and rained, and there was just mud everywhere. So even tanks couldn't get through this mud. They were getting stuck everywhere. So that's that's why Russian is is so resilient, unless you're the Mongols, in which case, you know, they pretty much conquered everyone. They um, they and the walked. Poles as well. So, huh. Yeah, the I Polish... The Poles invaded Russia and burnt down every, every building in Moscow except the Kremlin. So... Dang. Yeah, they owned, and then they just left. They were like, yeah, job done. But, you know, clearly it wasn't because Russia's still around. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, he's pretty gangster. You know, you hear stories about uh, Adolf Frederick's son, you know, because he went to war with Russia, and you know the Swedes were actually quite successful despite the fact they had quite a small army. But you don't hear so much about his dad. Now, the fact that he ate himself to death, I really wish I'd heard more about this guy because that's fascinating. As far as... Idiot scoring goes. I feel like this guy... So you say that he created um, uh, freedom of the press. Well, he was part of the legislation that was created at the time. Okay, so there's a positive there. And there's the other... What else was the other thing? Like he uh, kind of ushered in a golden age for the the nation. expanded civil rights for his people. Excellent. We like those. And didn't have any uh, wars or battles too much. Uh, well, that's great. No- that That's extra prosperity for the country because people aren't being sent off to die, you know? Exactly. So, so, like, as far as idiot actions go, those are really good things. And I feel like there's there's an argument to be made, and it's it's kind of a bit of a cliche because there are plenty of good people out there who don't have massive flaws. But sometimes great people have m- massive flaws. You know, we think of people like JFK or Martin Luther King or even professional athletes, you know, the really, really good ones have usually got some massive personality flaws. And it seems that Adolf um, Friedrichs, uh, whatever his name, I keep forgetting his last name, whatever his his flaw was basically that he overindulged in food and pudding, especially pudding. He was an eater. (laughs) He was... A monstrous eater. I'm getting images of uh, Homer being sent to hell and being tortured by endless lines of donuts in The Simpsons and uh, just finishing them off. Uh, but yeah, I think on an idiot scale out of 100. Now, if he'd not eaten himself to death, obviously he would have carried on. And God knows where Sweden would be in terms of global power now if his reforms had kicked in even more and they'd really enjoyed a golden era. So I'm going to say out of 100, because he did so many good things but then obviously kind of ruined everything by eating his 
eating himself to death. I'm going to say he's going to get a score of about 60. Yeah, that's fair. Out of 100. Yeah, I, I think, like, all of the good things he did are really impressive, especially for that time. Like, like empowering people, that was just not something that happened at the time. And freedom of the press, I mean, the press was a pretty new thing. I mean, uh, the, the printing press wouldn't have been around for a huge amount of time at that point. But freedom of the press, that's... That's an impressive thing, and it's it's a legacy that carries on in Scandinavian countries. You know, they are very liberal governments over there. So I'm going to say he's this. The big score comes from the eating his fat ass to death. Basically, that's that's what's done it that's, for him, really. So I'd enough. say a sixty is is okay. He could have been more stupid, um, and I suspect in the coming weeks and months we will find plenty of people that were far more stupid and incompetent than Friedrich, uh, than Adolf was, but uh, including possibly someone else called Adolf, but we, we may not cover that. <laughs> so, well, there's a few uh, Adolfs out there, but there's one that sticks in the mind. That's um, a tale of uh, horrible people with only a couple great things. I yeah, that might, that. A, a, <laughs> uh, that might be a that might be a separate podcast, most evil people in history. Um, so, I'd like to present to you now my Idiot Candidate of the Week. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. What we got? My idiot candidate of the week is President Andrew Jackson. I just wanted to get that out of the way right now. Andrew Jackson, who somewhat surprisingly for a man born in the 18th century, didn't have a dozen overly elaborate middle names. It's just Andrew Jackson Jr. Like that, that's it. He was born on March 15th, 1767 in the Waxhaws region of the Carolinas. His father, Andrew Jackson Sr., died three weeks before his son was born in a logging accident at the age of just 29, which for the time is actually like that's that's like middle age, pretty much 29 years old, I think, for the Waxhaws region, the Carolinas in the 18th century. That's actually a decent innings, but... Anyway, so his dad's his dad died three weeks before he was born. Jackson's exact birthplace is unknown due to a lack of information surrounding his mother's actions immediately following her husband's funeral. So she went off the res- she went off the map. She just ran off into the woods, or what? she just ran off into the Waxhams, Waxhaws, <laughs> and it's just like no one knows where he was born. They know the date he was born, but that's it. Like he, she just went missing with him and the family. Uh, judging by um, what you're about to hear, though, it's fair to say that there was probably uh, a madness-inducing eldritch monster somewhere nearby, because <laughs> the stuff this guy did... And I knew a bit about Andrew Jackson before I did the research, because, you know, I, I, you hear a lot about presidents in this country, we hear a lot about your history, and I studied uh, one of my minors in um, university was American studies, so I'd studied some American history, but this is out there, even for American history. Um, As a young boy, Andrew Jackson was easily offended and was considered something of a bully. Um, He was, however, said to have taken a group of younger and weaker boys under his wing and been very kind to them. So essentially, in his youth, he was a cross between Peter Pan and Jim Jones. (laughs) So he took these young, weak, pathetic children and became their leader. And that's there's a pattern emerging already. As a teen, yeah, yeah <laughs> you wait. Uh, as a teen, Jackson joined the Revolutionary War effort as a militia courier, but was swiftly captured by the British because he was 13 years old. And you know, being bad at things, it's kind of Andrew Jackson's bag, really. 
Um, when Jackson refused to clean the boots of one of his captors, who was a British officer, the soldier slashed him with a sword, leaving him with scars on the left hand and uh, the side of his face, um, as well as an intense hatred for the British. He would not have liked me. Um, well, at least he put his hand up to try and stop it. Yeah, he was like, no, you're not going to do that. Ow, that hurt. Why didn't I use something else? Um, his brother, Robert, also refused to do as commanded and was struck with the sword, which I, I kind of... I don't know who got the worst deal there, because getting hit with the hilt of a sword, that's like potential skull fracture and and like kind of concussion issues. But, you know, scars heal, right? Yeah. Probably they go septic at the time, but, you know, especially back in the 18th century. Um, uh, so the two brothers were held as prisoners, uh, but while they were in captivity, they, cancel, they, they contracted smallpox and nearly starved to death as well. Um, So, I know. So he's 13 years old, possibly 14 at this point. Maybe he celebrated his birthday in captivity by contracting smallpox. Um, He was born and raised without his dad, who tragically died. He was a big-time bully and rabble-rouser in his youth. He saw war and all of its horrors at an incredibly young age, where he was literally scarred for life and nearly starved to death while suffering from an incredibly deadly disease. That's not exactly the recipe for a well-balanced human being so far, I, I no. think it's fair to say. That's like, there there should, pretty much every psychologist, if they'd heard that, there would be alarm bells ringing straight away. Could as you imagine to what... if they had the campaign managers and stuff with the history that they would oh, dig yeah. up on him and put oh, that out? Oh my God, back then, the research, if they'd had the research as they do now... There's no way this guy would have won the presidency, but there's more to come. Uh, Later in his time in captivity, the mother of both Andrew and Robert, Elizabeth Jackson, the woman who, uh, after her husband's funeral, just sort of disappeared and gave birth to Andrew Jackson, secured their release. So she was a very good negotiator, if anything. Uh, She then began to walk both the boys back home uh, to the the Waxalls, whatever this area is, uh, a distance of some 40 miles Both at this point were in incredibly poor health. Robert was uh, by far the worse, so he rode the only horse they had for the 40 miles, while Andrew walked behind them so that he could fend off anyone that tried to attack them. In the final two hours of the journey, a torrential downpour began, which worsened the effects of the smallpox in both of them. Within two days of arriving back home, Robert had died. So, yeah. So they just escaped captivity thanks to their mother's intervention. They just got back home, and then two days later, his brother dies. So that's pretty much his youth. Um, So let's catch up with Andrew Jackson as an adult and see how he's doing, shall we? Um, By 1788, Andrew Jackson was now a fully qualified lawyer. And having been offered, uh, sorry, been offended, I'm reading that wrong, by fellow lawyer, I've got to make sure I get this right, uh... Wait still, Avery. Yeah, that's that's a name. Wait still. Who calls their child Wait still? Even in uh, the eighteenth century, you know. I bet you if Kanye and him knew about it, they might name. Their yeah, that's it. that's kid number three right there. Wait um, West. Wait West. Oh my god! Wow, it's such a shame they're getting divorced now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they could have had another one. Uh, Jackson <laughs> fought his first duel against Wait still, Avery. The duel ended with both men firing in the air having made a secret agreement before the fight. Um, Thank goodness, really. Thank goodness he didn't kill someone in a duel, right? Well, you'll probably, as an American who knows a bit about history, um, thanks to his quick temper, uh, 
which was literally set off by anything uh, as innocuous as like someone looking at him the wrong way. Jackson went on to kill between, and it depends on which source you study for this, he killed between 13 and 50 people in duels, um, including ones where he flat out cheated. There's a famous one I think you may have heard of where he demanded that the duelist, who was a notoriously good shot, shoot first. And the duelist shot, shot Andrew through the chest, and Jackson just sort of shook it off, got up, and shot back and killed the guy, stone dead. Um, Some historians uh, claim that the number of duels he participated in, though, uh, was in the hundreds. So, presuming that he won all of them, and that he had, say, a 50% kill ratio, he could have killed over 100 people by the time he was... uh, you know, by the time the 19th century rolled around, uh, this is this is a president. I just want to keep reminding our listeners that this guy was president of the United States and he was already a mass murderer by the time he took office. Um, in 1828, Jackson, whose body count was now uh, literally, even if you go with the lower estimates, his body count was higher than the Hillside Stranglers, Ted Bundy and Ed Gein combined, um, ran for the presidency. But to differentiate himself from the other candidates, he needed a nickname. And he was one of the first people to actually do this in American history. And the one that was given to him was Old Hickory, based on the fact that he carried around a walking stick with him um, everywhere that he used to improve his balance and also was a handy tool if he just fancied beating someone to death with it. So, yeah, you know, you've got a walking stick, you might as well use it. It's it's a sturdy weapon of... uh, well, aggression, I guess. That was his thing. He also he's ran... Quite aggressive. He's, he's an incredibly aggressive man. And it started young, didn't it? If only his dad had been around, I feel like a lot of this could have been different. Um, he also ran uh, the first ever, and probably one of the worst for a very long time, negative campaigns in electoral history, which included the slogan, Vote for Andrew Jackson, who can fight, not John Quincy Adams, who can write. So that was his ah. campaign slogan. Um, <laughs> now, John Quincy Adams already had an advantage in that he was the son of John Adams, who was second president of the United States and also an incredibly qualified statesman. But um, this slogan kind of backfired when Andrew, uh, John Quincy Adams pointed out that um, it's probably far better to have a literate president than someone who was just good at murdering people in duels. So... I think that kind of didn't work out. Nevertheless, he won the presidency in 1829 and immediately decided to hold an inaugural open White House party. Now, just out of interest, and I'm going to ask you this question now, Derek, um, how many people do you think showed up to his little soiree? Um, let's see. He's been in 100 duels. So each person... <laughs> uh, Let's say 150 people. 150. Okay, so it was 20,000. Um, yeah, 20,000 people basically showed up to uh, the White House and the surrounding area. And the crowd got so out of control that Andrew Jackson was forced to sneak out of a window and run away with his staffers. Hey, like Eventually, his sorry, go on. So like his mom when she was given birth. Pretty much. As soon as it happened, he just disappeared. Um, One of his staffers eventually suggested that um, they put a massive pile of barrels of whiskey on the White House lawn to get people out of the White House, since 
He'd been president for three days, and the only thing he'd actually managed to do was start a drunken riot in his first three days in office. And it worked. Everybody left the White House because they were like, ooh, is that single malt? And just darted for the barrels of whiskey. Um, And he basically locked the doors, got the National Guard in, and tried to regain control of it. And I guess eventually everyone got hangovers and went home. But 20,000 people on his inauguration uh, came to this party that he was throwing, which is just... I mean, that's 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 a hell of a party right there. Well, it's like a you know? kegger, but with bourbon. Yeah, a kegger with hard liquor, you know? Um, man, people drank hard back then, didn't they? There's like 20,000 people show up to an open house, and the only way you can get them out is with masses of whiskey. That's, that's a kind of a messed up society right there. Um, Jackson was also the first president, and this is, this is possibly my favorite story. Jackson was also the first president to be the victim of an assassination attempt. Now, I say victim. He was a victim in the sense that someone tried to kill him. But Andrew Jackson is apparently almost invincible as a human being. He's been shot multiple times at this point. He was held captive. He survived smallpox. He survived starvation. Being basically pneumonia, um, being attacked at every... You know, he had a military career where he would wipe out entire villages of Native Americans. The guy was at this point quite tough. So um, the person who tried to kill him was called Richard Lawrence III, who thought he was the rightful king of England and that Jackson owed him money. So that's the person trying to kill him. Uh, Richard Lawrence was actually from England. I think he was from Liverpool or somewhere like that. And his parents emigrated and there'd been like a whole disastrous thing. And because Jackson had opposed the uh, second national bank, um, a lot of Richard Lawrence's money disappeared. So he believed that Jackson owed him money. Um, His assassination attempt failed miserably. Okay. So Lawrence's flintlock pistols misfired, which caused, um, well, he produced one, it misfired. He produced another one. It also misfired. It was a, a wet day. So basically the gunpowder had kind of gone all soggy and stuff. Uh, An enraged Andrew Jackson decided to pounce on him and beat him mercilessly with his walking stick um, to the point where he nearly fell into a coma. Eventually, Jackson was dragged off by um, a crowd of people. And I say a crowd of people. It was about 20 people that had to restrain him. The crowd included included Davy Crockett. um, (laughs) Which is totally random that Davy Crockett's there. I was like, okay, get Jackson off him. Jesus. Um... (laughs) So That's for the neat. sake of that is that is a hardcore man. For the sake of brevity at this point because we've gone on about Andrew, Andrew Jackson for quite a while, I'm going to uh, sum up Jackson's presidential highlights versus his lowlights. So Okay. Here we go. So his his highlights. Number 1, he helped establish the environment that led to the founding of the Democratic Party. All so right. that's that's pretty impressive. He was uh, you know, kind of pivotal in the forming of the party system because at the time there was only one party. Um, he expanded executive power and established the president as the most imported, important elected official in the country, which kind of backfired. I'll explain why in a second. Um, oh. Yeah, it's, these are it gets complicated. These are, these are his good points? These are his good points. We're going to get to the bad points. And, uh, okay, number three good point for Andrew Jackson. He was elected by a more democratic process than any president before him. That's thanks to election reform that let slightly poorer 
white men vote instead of just incredibly wealthy white men. So it's like the tiniest of shifts towards equality. It's like, well, yeah, your buddies can vote as well. But that's it. That's where we draw the line. <laughs> Nobody else. So your servants can vote, basically, is what happened. Um, or should I, sorry, should I say some of your servants can vote oh, yeah. and definitely not your slaves. Um, so um, also, point, good point number four, he had a fun nickname. Indeed. Yes, Old Hickory. Uh, very fun nickname. Anyway, now let's get to his bad points. Um, that's the end of the good. Um, bad point number one. He concentrated more power in the executive than any other president in US history up to that point, making him less of a leader, more of a ruler, kind of a king, really. Um, mm. Not good, really, especially given America's history up to that point. Um, he enacted the Jackson Force Act, which allowed him to use the army and navy to collect taxes, which is kind of a thing that dictators do. And despots. Yep. Kind of like, mm, I'd like my money now, please. No, we don't want to give it to you. Oh, yeah? Do you want to tell that to my friends? No, it's, it's uh, here's your money. Um, yeah, he could think that was something they just uh, fought against not too long before that. I know, um, and then they're just like, well, he's he's been in a few duels, so maybe we should give him money, because we never right? know what's going to happen outside if we go outside with him. So... <laughs> Um, he continued to kill native tribes even after he was told to stop. He just had a thing. And his thing, uh, you know, like we were talking about um, Adolf, F whatever his name was, Friedrichson? Friedrich? Uh, Frederick, yep. Friedrich. Frederick, yeah. Um, his thing was eating. Andrew Jackson's thing was killing Native Americans by the dozens. He just, he had an absolutely no qualms about it. Um, bad point number four. He enacted the Indian Removal Act of 1830, which forcibly kicked tribes off their lands. Despite it being declared illegal by the Supreme Court, he did everything he could to enforce it, and eventually, in 1838 to 1839, uh, even though it was under a different president, it was largely his kind of demanding of this thing that he'd put in place, the Trail of Tears took place, which evicted 18,000 tribespeople from their lands, 25% of whom died on the trail. So, because they were made to move during really harsh weather conditions, and that just wiped them out. Um, bad point number five. He was so terrified of the second national bank using its power to back his political opponents that he stifled its developments until it disappeared in 1836. Eventually, he ordered the dispersal of funds into local banks that were owned by his supporters. Um, huh. That's where that, they learned it. Yeah, that's where every politician in history learned it from. Uh, cronyism, hooray. Um, these banks which were run by idiots. There's no other way of putting it. They were run by absolute idiots, which we could probably do in a separate episode. Uh, they went on a printing spree, which caused an inflation crisis that in turn led to The Panic, which is a great name, thanks economists, um, of 1837, kicking off a six-year economic depression that is considered by most historians as the most disastrous fiscal policy in American history. Now, given how many financial crises we've had since then, that's quite an achievement, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, you think about all of the things, the Glass-Steagall Act being repealed by Bill Clinton, all the other financial disasters that various presidents have made over the years that have led to depressions and outright um, economic disasters. This is considered by pretty much every historian to be the worst fiscal policy in American political history. Um, bad point number seven. As a result of these policies, he pushed half of the Democrats he'd upset into the Whig Party. Um, that was a party that was set up entirely on the one issue of hating Andrew Jackson. Um, and it forced the other half of Democrats to pursue more agrarian policies, which meant that they actually increased the impact of slavery. So he kind of re-kickstarted the process of slavery, uh, which tariffs has sort of dealt a blow to, but um, his policies meant that Democrats were forced to invest their money in like something that was considered safer, and unfortunately at the time, slavery was that safe thing. Um, bad point number eight. He was so unpopular amongst his, amongst his distract, detractors, I'm really struggling with that word, uh, and so adored by his supporters that he essentially created the intense nature of partisan politics that still exists in the United States, and boy, does it still exist. Oh, See, my God. That's, that's what I was going to say when you were talking about he created the Democrat Party and created <laughs> a party system out of that. Man, that, I think that's been one of the biggest crutches to overcome. Exactly. So, like, all of his good points come with massive asterisks, you know? Some of his um, good points are actually bad points. Pretty much. Um, they're as close to good points as you can get with someone like Andrew Jackson. And um, the final bad point, or at least the final one that I could think of, there's probably dozens more, um, he became easy, and this is actually something I really like as well, he became easily the worst president to end up on money. Now, if you think about every president that's ended up, or every American person that's ended up on a financial bill, um, he's by far the worst. Um, oh yeah, because if but you we're look replace at replace him, exactly. The thing is, they could do, but I think it's it's kind of a case of would there be an uproar over it? Would people like? Are there still Andrew Jackson fan clubs out there that would be really no. upset by his removal? Um, well. Everybody's upset about any sort of removal over here these days. Yeah, that's kind of... I think it's about time that maybe he was replaced with someone slightly better. If you can't agree on it being a political figure, then can we just replace him with someone completely innocuous who's high profile like... Uh, I don't know, like the guy who does the workout videos. What's his name? <laughs> I'm just trying to think of well, someone I can't, who's... I can't think complete of the... The Tybo guy or the, the, the uh, uh, Richard Simmons? Richard Simmons. Put Richard Simmons on money, please. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> is, is he got he issues? He kind of turned out looking like a clown. The big uh, that's true. Hair. That's true. <laughs> I heard that they were going to put uh, Harriet Tubman on the 20. That's what they're pushing for. That could work. You know, yeah, that was... It seems uh, legit to me. Yeah. It's better than Andrew Jackson. Um, and also, there's a, a list of presidents. Now, there's a bunch of lists out there of the worst presidents of all time. He usually comes second to Herbert Hoover, but none of those people that are on the list, and that includes Nixon, Buchanan, Herbert Hoover, Harding, Bush Jr., or the Donald, um, none of them are going to be on a dollar bill anytime soon. So... Wow. You know, no one's putting them on money because everyone looks at them and go, Nixon, really? That fucking guy? You want to put him on money? <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
Um, so just to summarise, I think it's best to end this profile of Andrew Jackson by using his own words to sum him up. When asked about his li- oh here we go you're gonna love this when asked about his time in office and his life in general, all of his myriad achievements and his political career, his response was, and this is when he was getting very old and basically on his deathbed, he said, "I have only two regrets: I didn't shoot Henry Clay and I didn't hang John C. Calhoun so oh. A potentially insane despot who murdered his way across the country and bankrupted the nation only regretted that he hadn't killed enough people. Yeah. That's Andrew Jackson's legacy. Wow, you make me feel bad to be an American a little bit. <laughs> that wasn't my intention, I promise. I love your country and I love a lot of your history, but there are multiple Andrew Jacksons out there. Oh, yeah. And it's, well, it's pretty most, mad. Most of his history, I was like, man. Our last president just did that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Man. In a different century, nonetheless. Yeah. But he's, yeah, I mean, to oppose banks and then end up on money, that's pretty legit, though. Yeah. I didn't even think of it from that point of view. He actually caused a massive financial disaster and has ended up on money. That's, See, that's so just weird. Proof that nobody pays any sort of attention at all. I know. Maybe it's because he had a really handsome profile. Maybe they're yeah. like, oh, doesn't he look distinguished? No, he killed m- loads of people and fucked up your economy. It was a so kick-ass I, nickname that did it. Oh, yeah, it was the, the, the old Hickory thing, wasn't it? People love the Hickory. The people, people are Hickory fans. There's got to be stands out there that stand the Hickory. So, Anyway, I'd, I'd like your perspective on Andrew Jackson and also an idiot score so that we can begin our league table. I'd say you, you started off... Really strong here on the first episode with with somebody that definitely has bad that outweighs the good quite a bit. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot of good that he did. No, um, I mean, I guess you you could it would depend on who you ask. If he's still got some big fans out there, they might go, "Well, look at the way he learned how smallpox kills people and used that to uh, <laughs> lower the Indian population." Oh yeah, uh, he did everything uh, he could to do that. Um, man. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Uh, God, I, can I give an idiot score to the just general American public at the time for sure. making voting him in? Yeah, but then again, remember we were just talking about Trump. Oh yeah, seventy million people the, still oh. voted for that guy. Dude, I don't know who they are. I <laughs> know, oh, I know, I do because they all have flags and stickers. Still, uh, yeah, yeah, still. <clears throat> anyway, yeah. Uh, you know what? I'll. I'm okay. I'm going to be conservative because okay. you know there's a lot of really dumb people out there. Sure, uh, yeah, and history. we we we've yet to get to them. There may be a godlike idiot out there that we will find eventually and just be like, "Oh, that's a 10 right there," you know? The man who wrote Dude, where's my car? Oh god. Instance. We will get to that arsehole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, an idiot score of 75 just that's, to be conservative. That's a good strong score. I th- I do agree with you because if we'd gone out and said, "Wow, Andrew Jackson, you know, definitely a 100." We've kind of set a bar that is very difficult to pass. And, you know, if if we get to episode 20, 50, 100, whatever, we could revisit some and possibly augment our scores because yeah, but- we might realize that 
actually we were a bit conservative on the guy who ate his fat ass to death or Andrew Jackson who basically did all he could to burn America to the ground. Um, so, yeah, I feel like in time we will look at our scores and maybe we can adjust them. But I think 75 is a nice score to start ourselves off on, I think. I, I think so, and I feel comfortable with my 60. It gives me a... Uh, a, a good basis. A starting point. Yeah. yeah. You can build from there. So at the moment, the leader of uh, the table in History's Greatest Idiots is former President Andrew Jackson coming up in a swift and bulbous second place is Adolf Friedrich, who um, was a reasonably good king, but had the appetite that would probably make at least 10 of his country people quite jealous combined, I think. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's it for our first episode. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. I'm Lev, and uh, this is Derek. If you'd like to contact us, our social media accounts will probably be in some sort of description when I work out how to do that. Uh, Derek, is there anything you'd like to add? No, just I think this was awesome. I'm happy to be here, and I can't uh, can't wait for the next one. That's great. We will be back soon. And um, just remember, you know, if you have heard these stories, and you think, "Wow, that that sounds a little bit like something I did," maybe I shouldn't have had duels with those 50 people or had that 15th course um it's not too late to stop these people are here as examples of mistakes it's never too late to correct a mistake until next time thank you very much and we'll see you again soon